right, welcome to the Courtside Hoops podcast with Reg and Buckets. Uh, special episode. We have uh, a guest with us, uh, as we mentioned on the last pod. Uh, but before we we throw to him, uh, lifelong Lakers fan, uh, Buckets, do you want to do a uh, spiel of um, of the last game? Yeah, absolutely. This is uh, this is a great way to finish the season. So. Very, very happy man today. Um, and this game started off exactly how I wanted it to. Um, we spoke last part about in game five that the Lakers come out tight. They were playing not to lose instead of trying to win the game. And this was the complete opposite. Now, it started right from the jump when you got Danny Green picking up 94 feet. King James was, uh, he took Jimmy Butler right from, right from the first possession. You got Anthony Davis controlling the paint. KCP and, and um, Alex Caruso, bringing him into the starting lineup, I think was a masterstroke. Those guys are just flying around on the on the wings. Um, and I spoke on the last pod that what I really wanted to see from LeBron is I know what they were trying to do, trying to honour Kobe with the Mamba jerseys and all that sort of stuff that was surrounding Game 5. And I just wanted it to be all business in Game 6. Like, all that mattered was they had to win and close us out and, and become champions. And he got a three-point play with about six minutes to go in that first quarter on Jay Crowder. And normally after he'd do that, he'd be flexing, he'd be pounding his chest, doing all that good stuff. But there was none of that. He just walked to the free-throw line, knocked the free-throw down, and then was on to the next play. And I knew from then that we're in a very, very good position because it was going to take a hell of a lot to, to overcome LeBron when he's in that mode. And basically from that point on, it was a, just a defensive masterclass from the Lakers all round, they just suffocated Miami. And it's amazing when you're the team that's the aggressor to start a game, things just seem to go your way. You start getting the calls on the defensive end because they're, they're, they're being more aggressive. Um, they start missing shots that they normally hit. A lot of the shots they were hitting early in the series were rimming out. Tyler Hero was all out at sea, you know, getting caught between throwing lobs and, and floaters, things like that. Um, and the Lakers were just on because every time that Miami missed a shot, Lakers were in transition and there's no way to stop the Lakers when they're in transition. Um, and the game was basically over at halftime. They're up 28 and the, the second half was just um, just basically a crowning moment that um, all they had to do was run the clock out, pad their stats and um, they'd become champions. So that was really the, the, the story of the game was the defensive end. They just suffocated Miami and they just ran out of gas. They couldn't, they couldn't go with them. And I said that the NBA season's a marathon. They stuck with them until the 40K mark. But then the Lakers and LeBron just basically sprinted the last two kilometres and, and really put them to the sword in game six. So very, very happy man today. Very good. Very good. Thank you for that. Uh, Pat, welcome. Thanks for having me, gents. Welcome, Appreciate welcome. Hold on a Lifelong Lakers fan, how are you feeling? I can, uh, can mirror Heath's words there. It's a, it's a bloody good day, let's be honest. It's, uh, it's been a long couple of years, but uh, one thing that I saw today actually that popped up, and I hope the, the trend keeps going on, I think 2000, 2010, now 2020, every 10 years a chip, I'm okay with it. So, you know, a couple <laughs> of years, but now, as long as we keep on that trajectory of one every 10, I can deal with it. Very nice, very nice. Well, uh, Buckets and I have a, a bunch of questions to ask you. Um, Buckets, I'll throw to your first question and we'll, we'll tag team to, uh, to get some in, info out of, uh, out of Pat. Yeah, so the, the first thing I want to ask, because it, it's great that we've got a Lakers fan on here, because 
it would be fraudulent of me to to be on here saying, yeah, I'm so happy for the Lakers and and you know all that sort of stuff. And they're now 17 championships tied Boston because I'm unashamedly a LeBron James fan. I will follow whatever team he plays for. So although it's great that the Lakers won, I'm happy that LeBron's got his four. Um, so from a Lakers perspective, a Lakers fan perspective, I want to know what were your thoughts on LeBron before he joined the Lakers? And now has that changed that he is now a Laker and now a championship Laker? Thank you for clarifying because out of watch, out of listening to all these pods, that has been the biggest thing. And I've written it down and it was one of my notes. So, it's like, so I just want just quickly, just bear with me. You said we about Miami, Cleveland, and then you kept saying we about Seven Love, and then you're saying we and Dwayne Wade, and then you're saying we as in AD. So I, I was confused. Like in all the pods I've been listening to earlier. Thank you for the clarity. That's, That's a good name. listening, man. That's a really good listening. You've, you've got that on <laughs> to a T. Written notes. Didn't even didn't <laughs> need to ask the question. I just knew it was so perfect. Nah, it's, uh, I mean, he's the best player on the planet and probably the best player I've seen in my lifetime. I didn't get to see MJ, apart from when he was dropping 20 buckets on people when he was 40. So, you know, he was still pretty good, but I didn't get to see the real raw stuff. So I think pre that, pre him coming, I think he was no doubt the best player on the planet. But I had question marks over elements of his game. And I think moving to Miami probably, you know, helped him grow. And that was probably, there's a lot of question marks around that though. Because I mean, from a spectator's perspective, I think we were at the top of that stage. It was like, they've just made this big super team. We've just played in three straight NBA finals and won two of them. That's scary. We're on a crash course. You, that was your that was your outlook looking into 2012, and then I guess everything from our end happened with Dwight and Nash and all that fun stuff that we don't want to ever talk about. But uh, you know, you kind of appreciate that he uh, probably was. You know, he's got one of the best IQs you've ever seen, probably the best, and he probably had you know that mentality to go and go. I need to I need to see how it's done. You know, what better organisation to go join? Pat Riley, Dwayne Wade. You know, they've done it. So. I always thought he was the, one of the best players on the planet, if not the best. But uh, probably since he's joined, I think it's just so hard. Like, you know, you, you go up watching him and seeing how much his game changed. You know, his raw athleticism, it was just beast-like. You know, he was just overpowering and there was no real way to stop him. And then just to see how his game changed with us, like you come to us and he's been a playmaker. Like you probably scrapped last year. He's not... He's not going in and, and dominating people like he did in, in Cleveland and Miami. And, you know, it's, it's that later stage of his career, probably that when he goes back to those last years in Cleveland, you'd say, those last two years where he probably flipped the switch and was like, I'm just going to be a playmaker. So, yeah, I think he's pre-Lakers. I think he was always, you know, it's been good to watch him grow. It's been, I know, it's, you're, not, you're not lucky enough always to see the generational talent grow. And I've been lucky enough to see him. But, uh, yeah, as a Laker, you know, he... He's not in my top five, but um, he's uh, he's only been there two years. But I mean, come on, he's won one. Huge job. He's told us he was going to win one, and I had doubts last year when the thirty-four-year-old goes down injured. But he got us up this year, and no doubt uh, Rob Polenka helped out with that. But uh, no, I respect his game. I respect his game. So you don't have him in your top five Lakers of all time. He's played two seasons as a Laker. Which that would be a segue to my question, which is who is your top five? Like, you, okay, sorry. You, you can't, you, 
you can't like two years. Like, is MJ one in the Wizards' top five players of all time? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sorry, that was a weird <laughs> to ask. <laughs> that didn't quite. That didn't quite click there. Yeah. <laughs> no disrespect for the talents that the Wizards have had over the years, but he'd have to be top five. They had Kwame Brown. They had Kwame Brown. Excuse. So. <laughs> Kobe number one. Let's. Uh, I'll probably have to say that. I think he's just tipped magic there. Um, magic number two. Then it gets hard. Like Kareem probably tips Shaq for me, then Shaq, and then into Elgin Baylor. Elgin Baylor, I think, is very underrated in, in Lakers top five list. I think he always gets left out for Wilt or someone like that. But I think if you go and look at the numbers, like Elgin was special. And what, um, what does LeBron have to do to crack that top five? I mean, they all want multiples. So, you know, you probably want to see another one. And he wins one. One more. He might touch the top seven. Yeah. Does wins he, two. Two probably slide in the top five. Does he have to be the best player? Because I think most people would look at it and think the ideal scenario for longevity would be that LeBron um, starts to become more of the Magic Johnson role as AD ascends to become um, the number one, almost the opposite to what happened with Kareem and Magic, where Kareem regressed and Magic took over. If yeah. LeBron becomes that second tier and, and Anthony Davis is winning the MVPs, does that play against LeBron or does he still have to be the one winning the finals MVP and being the, the best player of the team? No, I don't think so. I mean, look at Kobe's early years. Like, you know, that's a big second fiddle to play. And then, you know, you look at, you look at a few of those, you know, a few of those other guys, like, I don't know, like is Tim Duncan's career different because he was the second best player on two championship teams or, you know, like it's, I don't think so. And I think you saw it in this final series clearly, especially in the Western Conference finals. I think once AD decided to take over a little bit there and then those first two games, like you, you off these first two games, the NBA finals, no one's stopping him from winning finals MVP. And then I don't know if he went into his shell or he just, he got lost or LeBron just said, it's my go. Like, I don't know, but <laughs> and LeBron, just kicked, LeBron just kicked in the gear from game three. It just seemed like he just took over and AD may have stepped back a little. So, but I think you're right. Like, especially from the team makeup, like the team dynamic's going to change. Like, be realistic. The roster is a championship roster, but would it stack up in a normal year? You know, road games, all that kind of things, flying in and out. You got to you got to put that into perspective too. That you know, they're all in one spot. There's not a lot of travel. You know, the old legs can rest up. There's none of that extra stuff that goes on top of it from a you know an irregular season. So, I think the way is that. LeBron is probably the best athlete in the world. There's no two ways about it. Like you talk about consistency, you talk about longevity, just what he's doing. He's 34, 35, however old he is, and he's literally just won a finals MVP in his 17th year. Like I think it's, you know, he, he, can, still be, he can still sneak in there as a, as a second, but, you know, the body of, his, body of work speaks for itself. A pretty good person to play second fiddle to, uh, Anthony Davis entering his prime. So, you know, it's, there's no shame in that. <laughs> yeah, 
Yes, I think they're, they're well set up there, Actually, which, which actually leads to my next question. AD made some comments after the game about uh, he's not 100% certain what he'll do in free agency. Um, mm-hmm. I think it was more just letting time play out as opposed to worrying about it at that particular time. Um, what is his contract with the Lakers? Because I think we all assume that he's going to return um, and all these other teams who think they're in with a chance of kidding themselves. Well, is he, is he eligible Supermax? I don't think he is. No, you have to be with your your current yeah. team for I think five or seven. Yeah, seasons. Five, yeah. So that's how that one works. Yeah, so I think from a stats like from the stats stuff, he ticks off. But from the time frame, it's not. Yeah, he sacrificed. That's why he had to get rid of his trade kicker, wasn't it? Because he had to sacrifice that. Yeah. So he's going to get a max. He's going to be. You'd think so. Like, you I, don't think you don't think he'll do say a a, a one and one um, year. Just see how it goes with LeBron next year and then have a player option the following year? That's a, it's a good call, actually. You're probably because how, especially how old he is too. You might, you might look at it. You reckon you might go to that one plus one, kind of what KD and LeBron did for those few years there so they can kind of control the power and the narrative? I wouldn't say a two plus one. You know, a two plus one. It depends all, you know, they're going to they're gonna need space at some stage. They're going to need some, some relief in the cap. You know, LeBron's earned 40 mil next year. Um, AD will probably, you know, earn upwards of 36. Uh, Danny Green, believe it or not, is getting 15 plus million. Contavious Corbell Pope was on like 16 million. So there's going to be need some cap relief. I think I think KCP is a free agent at the end of this year. So, but Danny Green's got an extra year to run. So there's going to need to be some cap relief to try and fit other pieces in. But yeah, maybe a, a two plus one. Do you bring as as KCP back? Uh, I would have said no before the NBA finals, but uh, I think he was this, he had the second most threes in the uh, NBA finals for the Lakers. So I bring he, he, he was he was massive. I think his his role in the in the crunch in games five and six are very underrated. Like there's that play there where he makes the assist to LeBron, and then he LeBron comes down the floor, hits him in the corner for the three. He goes and makes the layup. And then he gets a stop down the other end and leads to a LeBron breakaway dunk. Like that was all in the last two minutes of game five. Like, you know, that's winning time. So I think he's probably earned his keep to come back, but um, not on that kind of money, I would hope. <laughs> that's, 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 that's a lot of dollars. <laughs> all right, Buckets, throw to you for the next question. Yeah, so I just want to know from you, um, we know that the Lakers have had a lot of great duos in the past. Where does currently Anthony Davis and LeBron sit with the uh, Lakers' history of of great one-two punches? They're going to be top three. They've only had one season, so I'm going to put them third. I'm going to put them third. Kobe and Shaq averaged, I think, 60 in the NBA Finals one year. And then, like, 55 and something like that. So, like, they're, they're, they're the number one. I think they're the number one, two of all time. Sorry, Reg, with um, Scotty and Mike. So, so, uh, <laughs> You're um, wrong there, but anyway. Discussion <laughs> for a later day. But uh, Magic and Kareem, I think, just the ability to win together. But uh, it's Magic and Kareem, Magic and Kareem had like, – I went through I went through and had a look at that. Their supporting pieces were unreal. Like, they had a really – like, those Showtime teams, like, they were deep, like, really deep. So, you know, with Cooper slotting in there and Byron and Scott as well. Um, like, Big you know, game, James. Yeah. It's like, it's, 
they're deep. So, yeah, I think probably third at this point in time, but you never know if they, they run it back next year and have a pretty good year and make a deep run. You know, again, it all depends on, well, health, one, but also, you know, what they, what, they're, what they do and how they win. I think you look at the other guys, they won. That's the big thing. They've ticked the first box, yeah? They've won year, together year one and they've won a ring. So they're on their way. They're on their way, that's for sure. I think he's had them above Kobe and Powell. Yeah, I did. Yeah, that was that was tough. Like, you know, Kobe and Powell, I think they were touching touching 52, 53, I think, in a, in the final series against Magic. Like combined points. Powell was yeah, they're different beasts. Yeah. Yeah, I think Powell was a per, like, you know, a passing big man that implemented Kobe's game kind of helped, but I couldn't imagine a you know, a passing big man as such to imp- to probably work with LeBron, whereas, you know, AD, and I think you're only going to see him probably get better and probably change his game to see what he does. You know, like he built that, that long-range shot into the game a little bit, which was good this year, but I think there's just times where he probably settles too much for it rather than just getting getting down on that low block and going to town, especially when they're playing that. I think the Lakers' best lineup was when he was playing at the far and they're playing their small ball lineup. So, you know, it's where he can capitalise on all these guys because everyone wants to go small on him. Like, there's no way in the world that, those small power forwards playing like Andre Iguodala playing, he should, that's barbecue chicken, surely. Like, I, all, all due respect for Iggy and as a defender, but come, like, that's a seven foot beast. Like, sorry, mate, it's, it's over. So, yeah, I reckon he should have probably beasted a little bit more down low, but hey, they got the win in the end. So that happens. But yeah, n- number three was tough to put him past Kobe and Powell, but they got there. They got there. And uh, Pat, you're GM of the Lakers, and uh, what's the the one piece or a couple of pieces that you're looking to add to this team going into next year? More reliant perimeter shooting. Sorry, Danny Green, I love you, but um, yeah, there's that. Um, well, I think you know, a secondary ball handler like Rondo come good. You know, ever since he entered the bubble, you know, pre-bubble, probably there was a pretty big question marks on him. You know, I mean, I wouldn't have said he was. And if you look at all like the, I guess the, the stats and the, well, you know, all the new analytics that they run these days, he probably didn't fit in the roster pre-bubble. And then I think all that goes out there, as, you know, as you guys have said on, on this many times, when you go to playoffs, that stuff goes out the window. It's about how you win and winning time. And I think game six, as I think in our group chat was named the Rondo game at one stage. So, you know, <laughs> it kind of happens. So um, you know, I think he's probably due to come back, but I think you might need a bit more of a, you know, and a, a guy who's got a bit of a more consistent jumper and probably is a bit more of a threat because you've got a guy that at the point that can, you know, like let's say Quinn Cook got a, a little bit better. You know, that's that's the kind of player you want. He's got a he's got a pretty nice stroke, but I think his playmaking is probably just not there. So, you know, a Paddy Mills would be nice. You wouldn't you'd love one of those blokes from the room, but uh, you know, they're hard to fit. They're hard to fit in. Paddy <laughs> Mills even getting an Australian in there. I just. <laughs> Just think of like, yeah, I don't know. I like, I like his, I like his, I like his fit. I like his fit. You, you, you need a guy that can play. Like, you need a combo guard. You need a combo guard. But I'm interested to see what they do. Whether they try and bring in a third head. You know, they've got a bit of space, or they could create a bit of space if they wanted to. So do they bring in a, you know, because I think the biggest talk about in the whole series was, do they have that? Who's the third piece and that rotating third piece and. They just called it whoever stepped up was their their third piece. So ever since LeBron joined Miami, it's all about the big three now. 
I think it's probably one of the first teams in my memory. Well, Toronto probably as well, but uh, I guess you could call Pascal. He kind of broke out last year, but yeah, this is the first time in a long time that it's just been two major guys and a bunch of pieces. That's, Do you think um, Kyle Kuzma can develop into that third person? That seems to be the one that was always talked about at the start of the season and throughout the season was, you know, is he going to be the reliable third option? Is he capable of getting to that level or have you seen enough that, you know, they need to look elsewhere? I think he's peaked. I think he's peaked. I don't know if he's reliable. Like, I don't know if you saw, you saw him coming off the bench in these games here. There was games where he'd come out and he was hot. But I don't, I mean, his gameplay style is like a poor man's Carmelo Anthony for me back in the day. So it's very mid-range, that turnaround. He's got that three, you know, he can – not really a great creator off the dribble. So I just don't know. Like, and especially if you're trying to add a third piece like him, you know, he, he's not going to break in and steal any starting minutes right now with that. He just defensively, he doesn't fit. I think there'd be, need to be a hell of a lot of improvement on the defensive end for him. But I think it's probably yeah. worth seeing if you can maybe trade him, maybe see what's out there. But I don't, I don't, I don't mind him, but I don't love him. I would have much preferred Hebe package than Brian Ingram, but, you know, you've got to do what you've got to do to get ideas. So <laughs> uh, that happens. Yeah, I think certainly on the defensive side of the ball, when it gets into playoffs, you can't afford some of the mistakes he makes and some of the missed assignments. Um, the missed assignments with you. Yeah, and if you're not like scoring on the other, other side of the ball, you just become a very big negative. You know, if you're giving up, you know, three, five, seven-point runs on the defensive end and then not scoring on the other side, you know, you you become like Lou Williams when he's not scoring. So there certainly needs to be big improvement if you want to be on a contending team that you can actually play big minutes um, on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, and if you're like... He's, he's clearly the biggest defensive liability probably on the roster. That's getting consistent minutes. So we've yeah. seen um, we've seen in the playoffs the different types of players you have to play depending on matchups. We know the NBA is tending to push towards this small ball scenario, but one of the biggest advantages the Lakers had, especially in the Denver series, is they had Dwight um, to be able to go with um, Jokic. And then in the Portland series um, as well, but with the league going to that small ball, and you saying that Anthony Davis is the five is potentially their best lineup, do you bring both Dwight and Javale back next season? It's a good, it's a, it's a good question because one, it, are you going to get that year again for Dwight? Like he was, you know, that's a he's very very good this year in his role. And I think now that he's probably come to terms with it, you might be able to bring him back. But it's, it's a big risk trying to build it back and go with those two big guys again because you just don't know what the other teams like. If, you don't know what the other teams are going to do. And I think the, the Denver ones are really good, like comparison. Millsap and, and Jokic, you know, they're big guys. Like Millsap's been able to, I guess, kind of cross into this newer era as well and extend his jumper. But he was a beast back in the day, in his Utah days, and you know, getting the ball down a low block. So he's always been been able to fight. So, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd probably bring one of them back early and then just see what it looks like from there. I don't know which one I'd bring back. Probably more – you'd probably lean more Dwight now. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Like, JaVale kind of – he fell away, didn't he? Like, he was getting minutes at the start of that 
that Denver series, and then he kind of fell away once I think Dwight started probably defending a little bit better. So, and then they went to that that smaller ball lineup where Davis had got the five. So, I, I'd probably bring Dwight back, uh, but uh, yeah, I'd probably wait and see on Javale. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't hate bringing in a, another wing defender. I think if you get someone like someone in that, that upper level, but uh, it's going to be hard. They, I think they're going to be pretty restricted once cap. I mean, obviously, you, you, you're going to have to wait and see what happens with AD, how much money you have to pay him, and you can kind of fill out what it looks like around him again. That's where you hope for that that seven-year Scotty Pippen deal. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, jeez, I'll tell you what, that would be the dream, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> A guy like AD on that kind of coin for seven years. <laughs> I'll take that, absolutely. Sign me up for that. <laughs> um, thoughts on Frank Vogel? As a coach, yeah, of the yeah. I'm, I'm, he's, I, I don't know, fuck, he, he probably wasn't the, the textbook choice, was he? I mean, all the, all the noise was around Lou coming in and being with LeBron and that being the fit, but I know he, he, I loved watching those Indiana Miami series when he was running that Indiana squad. Like you look back at it now, they were they were a really really well oiled machine, and they pushed that Miami Heat team. Miami Heat aren't there, they you know LeBron doesn't go there. They might be they might be pushing that. You know, NBA Finals kind of set up there. They had a really good team. And I think he's – I think he just brought the one thing that we probably haven't had in – well, we haven't had a good roster for many years, but one thing they probably brought back was the defensive end of the game. I think that was just – and I think you probably know – you're probably fortunate enough to go into a season where you've got two superstars in LeBron and AD and go, all right, offense is sorted. So you probably don't have to think that too much side of that ball, whereas – you know, just some of their defensive schemes and even just some of the different looks that, you know, they gave Miami, especially in that final series, like especially, you know, number, was it game three when they made the switch to AD Guard and Jimmy Butler? Like, you know, threw him off a little bit, but, you know, managed to disrupt them a little bit, but he still, you know, he's, they adjust. You know, they're all NBA's full of great players. So they're all going to adjust. But, yeah, I think I'll, I, I like what he's brought in the team and I think he's, I think he's been the right leader, but I think it also helps. You look at the, you look at his bench. You know, he's got Jason Kidd, um, and uh, the guy who left uh, is it Lionel Hollins as well. Lionel, Lionel Hollins, yeah. Well, like you know, and then you've got you know Phil Handy, who's you know loved. You know, I think he's thrown one six in a row now, or something like that. Like rings, like he has an assistant <laughs> coach at Cleveland, and he was a year at Toronto, and now he's at Lakers. So he's, you know, he's got some, he's got some really good guys on his bench, and I think that's probably the the next thing that you could probably speak to to the to the board and I guess the, the upper management the front office to what they did is they brought in Vogel, which which was a great which was a great hire, but probably the support cast that he brought in probably bring it's probably goes a bit unwarranted and unnoticed at this time. Uh, Jason Kidd's one of the greatest basketball minds going around and then you know I know Hollands wasn't with the team but you know throughout the year you know, they've all coached their own teams outright. I think just the the whole coaching group, I think they, they really nailed that. And it's, it's funny, I don't know if you had a chance to listen to the Genie Bus pod, but they, they kind of made the decision or allowed to go through a bit more of the process with Frank and the coaching the coaching panels that they, they were looking to hire rather than you know make the quick hire, which what our brother's always done. You know, it was a, well, I think we had like four coaches in six years there and had Mike D'Antoni, Mike Brown, Luke Walton and Byron Scott. You know, and they were all pretty quick approaches. They were all like, yep, like, here you go, here's the keys. Whereas this one, you know, it was a bit more of a process. So it's kind of, it's, well, it's 
it's paid the price. It's been good. So, no, I'm a big fan of him, but uh, I just think the, the, the support cast he had goes shouldn't go without notice as well because it's a, it's, a it's a good panel that they've got, got yeah. assembled. That's, That's an interesting point because I think there was a lot of people uh, when they made the hire in saying this is just a, a three-month thing and then Jason Kidd will take over. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of talk about that. Um, and I'll admit I was unsure about it um, and more so – um, yeah, you talk about it's easy having two superstars for the offensive end. It's hard to manage superstars at the same time. You've got to yeah. be pretty decent to be able to manage those egos and, and, and make sure that those guys eat um, as well as, you know, keeping the rest of the team involved. But I think you're right. I think you've got uh, – when you've got a, a cast of assistants like that um, and then you've got a guy like LeBron and, say, Rondo on the bench who's basically an extension of the coach anyway, you, you, you've got a, a massive, massive advantage over other teams there. I think that's one of the biggest things that you can probably talk about, just their veteran experience. Like, you know, the, you look at the court, you look at the guys on the court, you know, Rondo had been through it. LeBron had been through it. Danny Green's been through it. You look at the bench, Jason Kidd's been through it. Frank Vogel's coached in those moments. Like they're just, just the leadership they had in that part, probably, you know, out, outweighs what was on the other roster. Yeah, it matters, doesn't it? That experience matters for sure. 100%. Do we talk about Miami? Do we see? Do we do we give them a bit of love? We have to. I we, think. Give them, um, we give them. We give them a lot of love, don't we? What did you think, Pat, on uh, uh, Miami? I guess overall, and then secondly, um, Jimmy Butler. I think they were the they were the second best. Well, I can't even call them second best. They were the best. They were the best surprise in the bubble. I reckon. You know, they come in just the the mantra of the team, I think it just speaks volumes. You know, you hear about a lot talking about the culture, but you know, just it's interesting. I was talking to one of the, one of the mates the other day about like, just maybe, you know, you look at the impact of hero Duncan and bam, I know Bam's been in the league a few years, but these other guys, you know, to help them playing in a quieter gym, you know, these young guys, they can't get overawed by the big crowds. You know, I understand they played at Kentucky and, you know, Duncan, obviously the path he's come on, but, you know, does that help? They can just go in and they can hoop. Like they're a bit used to that. You know, when these younger kids coming in from there, like you can just get in, you can just get locked in. You know, it kind of felt like a big AAU tournament, you could say. So does that kind of help Tyler Hero in that standpoint? Does he have that series when he's at Lakers, at the Staples Center getting absolutely heckled or, you know, it's... But uh, no, give them their credit. Like Spo and Pat Riley, you know, that's a, that's a formidable combo. And that's, you know, you look back where their roster was, what? three years ago and they were in no man's land. They'll throw on money to these guys just to pay people, you know, and they're, what they've done now to transform that. So, and Jimmy Butler, I don't know, I don't know if anyone really saw that coming. Like, it's just when... They'd be when lying back, if they said they did. Yeah, like when his <laughs> back was against the wall. And, and like the weird, and the hard thing is, like watching those games, there was literally no stopping him. Like he just bullied his way in there, no matter if it was AD, LeBron, Danny Green, whoever was playing on him. Like it was just ridiculous. So... Yeah, yeah, he gets some props for sure. So, question for both of you: Going into next season with Miami, are they the favourites in the East, given that they've made the finals, or is it more about that they got themselves into a, a nice rhythm, got momentum, and got on this unbelievable run in the bubble? And coming into next season, it's still your Milwaukee's, your Boston's, your Toronto's. Uh, obviously, Brooklyn, if they get their horses back, are they still the favourites going into next season? Pat, you go first. I wouldn't have them sitting in my top five in the East. But 
what could change all of that is their cap room. They've got some serious cap coming up. And if there's someone on the market that they can get, or there's a couple that they can get, like, you know, Goran's out of contract, there's 20 mil, Solomon Hill, you know, there's 13, Myers Leonard 11. You know, you're going to bring Jay Crowder back. You probably pay him a bit more, but you know, you got, you're fortunate enough to have Bam for another year on his rookie deal. So, you know, you're paying Iggy 15. I don't know if you, you know, do you commit to that still, but you look to trade him or wave him or, but you know, they've got cap space. So, I, I wouldn't have them ahead of, I wouldn't have them ahead of your Boston, your Milwaukee, Brooklyn at full strength. Um, ah, Toronto, you can probably put Toronto in there as well. And then, yeah, I don't know. It's just for me, not not quite. But the scary thing is, is they've done what they've done and they've got cap space. Yeah, it's funny you said that because my thing was going to be their, their favourites to probably land a big, <laughs> a big name yeah. because who wouldn't want to yeah. go there after seeing that. Um, they've got money to pay you and uh, you can be a part of that that culture which has been on display for everybody to see um, yeah. but I, I'm the same I wouldn't have them in that in the in the top few for sure I think Boston are going to be going to be pretty nice um, going in next year Brooklyn we don't know what we're going to get but if, if things click there they're going to be pretty pretty nice um, yeah. I'd probably put them yeah, yeah. probably a bit higher than uh, than you though Pat I reckon they might be in that three four five race um, I still don't know what's going on with Milwaukee. Uh, there's, there, to me, is still a massive question. Mark. I don't know what they're going to do to try to fix these issues now in, in two straight postseasons. That could go either way, you know. Like you, you've got to, you've got to, you've got to put players around him, or he'll go, or you know, and you could, you could give up some pieces, and it, it might all blow up in your face. So that's going to be, that's probably the number one watch of the offseason, I reckon. <laughs> yeah, and if he doesn't commit long term as an organisation, you've got to try and get something for him and move him. <laughs> you know, you can't. <laughs> hold on a wait or you're going to end up with a, a terrible situation. <laughs> yeah. And I think you'll probably see like they, they're, their list, like they're going to, they're going to improve, but also they're going to be watched a lot more now. I think you'd probably look at the time and Tyler here is a really good example. I think the scouting report on him, you know, they, he, he go in that sponsor, he loved to go baseline and go that up and under layout. And you saw the Lakers guys like let him go and thinking that he'd pot it right up you know, on his left hand if he's driving left from the left side or from the right and just lay it in. But every time he was just going up and under and reversing and they just, you know, didn't pick up on it. And you know, he, he, had a, he had a massive series, you know, we had a massive finals campaign really. But, you know, how does he, how does he grow? That's one I want to watch because I, I love his game. Bam's, you know, Bam's legit. But, you know, does Kendrick Nunn, people forget. He comes. He got COVID and then came in. He had COVID and then he came into the bubble and his play just wasn't there. Whereas now, you know, that last couple of games in the final series, I guess when he when Byron went out and he came in, he started to ball a little bit. So, yeah, I know they're, they're going to improve as you do year on year, but they they've got a, a few list changes that they can definitely cut through. Like you know, you're probably not going to bring back Myersland and Solomon Hill. You know, there's twenty shout out Solomon Hill, a friend friend of the pod. <laughs> Yeah, then 22, 23 mil. Sorry, I've just ended your careers, guys, but you're out. And, uh, I don't think Byron's getting his 20 again. So uh, especially being 34 and, a, and a, is it a navicular? No, it's not a fascia or no. Plate of fascia, yeah. That's right. So, yeah. yeah, so um, yeah, they're going to have some cap, which is going to be scary. You know, there's 25 mil right there. That's scary. I've got a question for you too, um, Heath uh, Buckets. We spoke about um, 
uh, Duncan Robinson's um, ceiling uh, on a recent pod. What's what's Tyler Heroes, and then I guess what would be like a, a comparison of a player? Do you think that he could reach the level of? Do you want to go first, Pat? No, Matt, I'll let you take this one first. Perfect. Can't just agree then. <laughs> yeah. For me, like I, and uh, we know it's, it's only been one year. So, you know, you can get prisoner of the moment and, and get excited from what they do um, in, in one postseason. But I remember talking about how I become a fan of Dwayne Wade because of his performance in his first ever playoff run. Um, all those years back in 2004. And I, I feel the same about Tyler here. Now, obviously, completely different players, but the way he was able to perform in the biggest moments in his rookie season, um, for me, he's feeling he can be as good as a Ray Allen, a Reggie Miller type of player. Um, he's got the ability to not just be... I think Duncan Robertson's limited in terms of just catch and shoot type of player at the moment and is very much a liability on the defensive side of the ball. But I think Tyler has more weapons, certainly on the offensive end in terms of being able to get off the dribble, create his own shot. And I think he'll have the ability to become better on the defensive side of the floor. Um, and we know he's a knockdown shooter. He's, he's got the work ethic. Um, he's got the mentality. He's got the confidence. So, yeah, for me, he can be as good as, as Reggie Miller or, or Ray Allen um, with the tools that he has. It's just a matter of he's willing to put in the work and he can continue to get better and better each season because there's a big difference between um, having the work ethic and then having the ability to actually be able to get better. I think Dean Smith said it all those years ago that Michael Jordan, after he won the NCAA title, was he wanted to get better, but then he had the ability to get better. And I think Tyler has that. So he can be, he can have a Hall of Fame career if he continues on his trajectory. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. I love the Ray Allen comparison. I want to specifically say Seattle Ray Allen. Like he, he just reminded me a lot of that in that in that final series. You know, like just the the flashes of it. I would say, like you know, he's, he can sit there, he can come off those those down picks and just spot up and go bang, or he can, you know, create his own shot, but he's, he's got a really nice floater as well. So I think he's got a little bit, got a little bit to his game, which I really like, but I mean, some of the, um, some of the pre-draft comparisons, uh, you laugh to see what they are. Like people calling him CJ Miles, like Nick Stauskas, <laughs> but oh. you know, there's some, there's some Landry Shamit. Like there's some, there's some pretty good ones there. I think he's probably, you know, going to eclipse that, but I, I don't mind the Devin Booker comparison as well. I, I don't think from a, probably like a, a volume shooter. And I just don't think that's the way he's going to be allowed to play. Like let's be honest, if Booker went to any other club that wasn't Phoenix, he probably would play a lot differently and probably a lot more effectively. But uh, I think that's a pretty good, a pretty good look there as well. I probably think he's, Probably when he came into the league, a better standstill knockdown shooter than what Booker was. But I don't mind the look of that as well. I think, yeah, as you said, you can kind of get, you know, you see it all the time. You get blinded by you know, someone breaking out in their first year and then, you know, second year blues, all that fun stuff. But I think he's in the right environment, number one. And number two, he's got the right person next to him and Jimmy Butler. I think that's it. That's a big key. And I think, you know, probably being in the position he is, the city that he is, 
I think you'll probably see Dwayne Wade take a bit of interest in him in the off-season and probably do a bit of workout time with him. And that's, you know, that's dangerous. That's dangerous. But he's got some, uh, yeah, that Ray Allen comparison. I like it, Heath. I like it a lot. <laughs> Ray Ray. Where where do we have the uh, Lakers going? We obviously spoke about Miami going the next season. Where do we have them? Are they just the clear favourites because they've got the two best players in Anthony Davis and LeBron James? Um, or do we still think LA Clippers um, are the better team that just didn't perform when it comes time for, for business? I think that's all part of it, yeah. Like, you've got to perform when it comes time to business, and they just didn't. You know, like, I'm... You trust Kawhi every day and you look at that final series and he was great, but has Paul George shown up a lot? I, I look back at his Indiana days, yeah, he did, but you know, old playoff P comes out and strikes again, so yeah. you know, I don't know. It's, uh, it's a tough one. Uh, you Golden State, like, they're going to be back up there. Like, there's no doubt they're not, they're not going to be floating around. You know, Interesting to see what Denver do with some of their pieces, but I think they're around. I think they're top three. I think they're pretty comfortable. They'll sit in the top three, but um, yeah, the West is kind of just ticking along. Like, who knows what Houston are going to do? Like, that's there's some work that needs to be done there. But um, you think you who was it this year? It was, yeah, it was Lakers, Clippers, and who was the third seed? OKC were they the third seed this year? Denver, Denver, Denver. So you'd think that those three'd be up there again. I would have thought, and then you add the Warriors into the mix, and that that's your four. And then you just don't know what it looks like from there. I don't know. What do you think, Reg? Yeah, I tend to agree. I'd probably have them as my favourites, um, only because we've spoken about several times um, on this podcast that you, these sorts of players is what you need to win titles. It's just you look back through yeah. history and this is what you need. You need the superstars. Um, for me, I think AD is only going to be better next year. Like I'd have him top, top MVP candidate. Um, I, I think this is like that, you know, that breakout. Uh, for him, um, I expect him to just be a beast next year, and that takes pressure off LeBron, so that he can just do his thing without having to having to worry about doing too much. So, I, I, think, I, think, I think you're right. Giving him the reins a bit more on the offensive end, like he's already shown he's one of the best defenders in the NBA. So, I think giving him the more reins on the offensive end in, in a in a system that's going to be you know built built differently to what it was, where it was just here you go, here's the ball, do what you need to do. Whereas at least they can build, you know, a proper system around and, and get him some better looks and get him in, in comfortable spots. I think that's going to be a, a big thing. So you, you just want to you want to you want to hope that he takes that next step next year and goes, "This is my team." Yeah, absolutely. And I think look, I think when uh, when D Wade did that to LeBron in Miami, it it did wonders for them, you know. And, and LeBron's smart enough to know where he's at with you know his self amount of self awareness that he has in in this stage of his career, and he only it only benefits him if AD. <laughs> You know, t- takes more of that load, uh, which means LeBron can keep doing what he's been doing for a longer period. Um, so, yeah, I, and I think AD is the kind of player who could join that club of, of MVP, Defensive Player of the Year in the same year. I, th- I think he's really got that that talent on both ends of the court. Um, and he's going to be more noticed, I think, after this year. Not that he wasn't previously, but he was playing in New Orleans. Um, it's a little bit different to playing in. For the for the uh, for the Lakers, um, I was going to say Los Angeles, but then the Clippers are there, and no one cares about them. So I'll just say <laughs> the Lakers. Um, so yeah, I think uh, I think it'll be the Lakers for me. We'll be, we'll be top of the uh, top of the West again next year. But it will be good to see Golden State and these other teams back, and it'll be good for LeBron to get the opportunity to play against them again, um, and and yeah, you know, hopefully end up on the on the winning end. Hope so. 
Yeah. I think um, I think the the most worrying thing for if you're a Western Conference team is that point you make about that Anthony Davis is going to be better next season. You know, the monkey's off the back of needing to be a champion now. And you've mm. seen the, the difference from 2012. You know, most people would agree that the 2012-13 LeBron James season was peak LeBron. You know, that's sure. when he should have won Defensive Player of the Year, except they gave it to a guy that didn't even make the first team all defensive. He was... Well, yeah, who, who one was vote. Who was it? Marcus Marcus Gasol, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all NBA, all defensive second team, but was defensive player of the year. That's um, so bad. He was unanimous MVP except for one silly guy that voted for Melo that year. Um, so if you look at that, if, if Anthony Davis continues to get better, you know, Pat, you said before that after, after two games of the NBA finals, you could have raffled the MVP between those two. It was, it was neck and neck. And then, obviously, game three happened with AD getting in foul trouble. And then games four, five, and six was when LeBron went into, I'm the best player in the world. I'm going to control everything and just dominate this game to, to make sure that we win. So if LeBron's able to coast why Anthony Davis is the best player on that team throughout the regular season and throughout the early rounds of the playoffs, and then LeBron can just come in and just dominate to, to basically get them over the hump. That's, you know, the only way you're able to beat LeBron the last 10 years is by committee and wearing him down and him having to carry the load for the entire season and the entire team. So if Anthony Davis is doing that for the 82-game regular season and then LeBron can just come in the playoffs, yeah, that's a very big challenge to try to overcome. And... For me, the two teams that I'm going to be watching next season is the Clippers and Brooklyn, who both have comparable superstar talent on their teams, but huge question marks over their leadership. They haven't proven that they can be leaders on championship teams as much as they want to talk that they're, they've done everything and you know they're all this and that. None of those guys have been the leaders on championship teams. So it's going to be very interesting to see how they come up against proven teams like the Lakers and Golden State that have, that have leadership and cultures that have won championships. It's, it's a good point. It's a, it's a good point because you, you, you look back at those. You know, Kawhi probably is the one that stands out. You could probably could question, but like Kyle Lowry is the heart and soul of that Toronto team. Like let's, let's be real. So, no, it's a good call. I think, and Brooklyn, Brooklyn is so intriguing. Like they're, they're probably actively looking to move, you'd say, some pieces as well to probably bring in one more. You know, it's oh, it will be good to see KD back on the floor, I'll say that. But, uh, yeah, Kyrie's just a um, – he's in, in a world of his own, man. So, uh, <laughs> especially after, you know, the Boston stint, it's just interesting to see how, he, how he'll operate in that. You know, he's already come out. I don't know if you guys said it, but he already come out and said – we don't need a coach, anyone can coach kind of thing. Like that was the day after Steve Nash gets appointed, like, come on, man, pull, pull it out. What are you doing? It's just, yeah, that'll be interesting to see if the wheels can stay on there. Who do you add into that situation? You say they're, they're, they're going to be looking to try to add a piece. You know, Reg, two Reg, unique personality in KD and Kyrie. Who fits with them? He plays for the Bulls. Zachary Levine. Really? Zach yeah. Levine fits in there, no worries at all. Yep. And okay. I, I reckon that is something you'll hear more about 
over the coming uh, few months. I think he'd be, I think he'd be unreal in that team. You know, you can. He's a better version of Spencer Dinwiddie. Sorry, Spencer, you're good, but he's a better version of Spencer Dinwiddie. Yeah, he's an all-star. We'll take uh, Levert and some picks back. It'll help his efficiency. It'll help his efficiency going there because there'll be less. You know, he's pretty. I'd I'd love to know. I'd love to know what his usage rate is. It'll probably be, especially under your um your best mates. That's been sacked. It'd be under under his reign. He would probably have a higher usage. I would have thought, but uh, yeah, I think I think he's a I think he's a pretty good fit for what they can probably get and afford on the in the trade market. Yeah, he's a, he's, Didn't he's a guy Levine could... have problems with Fred? Not with Fred. No, that was uh, Jimmy Butler had problems with Fred. Levine's oh, okay. had problems with Jim Boylan, but who didn't have problems with Jim Boylan? So, <laughs> yeah, and again, okay. that's the last we ever speak of him on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> It sounds to me like a powder keg of just dysfunction is getting all those guys together under one roof and under a, a new head coach, an unproven head coach. If, if he can hold that all together, he, he's earned every right to, to get that job without any experience. Who, who would you say Buckets would be a good third person? Um, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> to me... Those two guys, they just don't get it. They, they have this opinion of themselves that because they're tremendous basketball talents, that the rest will all take care of themselves. They don't understand the, the leadership and the culture and the team building side of things. I think they think that because we're so good at basketball, we can just go out there like it's the playground and we'll just beat teams just purely on our, on our basketball talent. But we know there's so much more that goes into to winning a championship in the NBA. There's so many other factors that go in, and it has to be a collaborative effort between everyone, not just the 15 players, but the coaching staff and the organisation as a whole to get the results. So for me, it's a very difficult situation to try to get them to understand the bigger picture. Um, and it'll, it, I think it will take what happened to the Clippers for them to realise, okay, it's not just getting a bunch of talent together and everything will take care of itself. Um, you have to cross your T's and dot your I's and, and you can't you can't skip the process to be an NBA champion. Do you think they'd be, they'd be better off chasing... So obviously they, you're looking at that third piece, but I know one big thing, and you look at it from all the Lakers stuff literally from day one to championship, Jared Dudley gets talked about about being a massive, massive difference to the roster purely for the leadership of the locker room. So, you know, he, he talked and he talked about it and he's a pod, a pod with Woj the day the day he signed with the Lakers was he goes, my role is to come in here and I'll worry about the locker room. LeBron worries about playing basketball. That's what he's the best at. I come in here and I control the locker room to make sure that it doesn't affect the on-court stuff. And I think if you, and you go back and you look at little snippets, uh, Horton Tucker, you know, the young guys, Devon Cook, those guys that are playing in the, in the G League. And then you hear from Quinn Cook and then, you know, Danny Green and, and Dwight Howard. They're, they're all shouting him out. You know, they're all giving him his praise for, you know, he doesn't play minutes, but he can seems to control the locker room. And you talk about when they when they first went into uh, lockdown. You know, LeBron's on the on the group chat, and and Dudley's on the group chat, and you know they 
do you reckon Brooklyn, do you reckon KD, number one, do you reckon KD and Kyrie could deal with someone doing that for them? Like, I, I don't know. I, don't, I reckon they'd probably resent that. But number two, like, do you think there's anyone out there that they could chase that could bring that, you know, I guess calm head? Because obviously, you know, Dudley probably would have been able to, to go and have these conversations with other guys rather than LeBron and AD doing it. And, you know, as Reginald were talking about it the other day, you know, Rondo as well. You know, he goes in and has that conversation with LeBron about how he treated the youngsters last year and, you know, how he needs to change his body demeanour and, and his attitude towards and how he speaks to them. So surely they, Steve, should be looking at bringing in someone who can help KD and Kyrie with that because, as you've said, they really haven't been the leaders on their teams, have they? They haven't had no. to do that stuff. They haven't had to do those one percenters, you know, that, that other stuff behind the doors. They've just been, here you go, here's the ball, you're a superstar, go play, go win. They haven't had to do the whole leadership thing. I don't think you can – I think it's pretty well proven now. You probably can't be that you, – you're not going to be a winning team if you're a superstar and you're not a leader. Yeah, I, I think Absolutely. you're spot on. You're spot on. Um, the, the, the question mark is would they accept somebody like that to come that's and play that role. And I think that's the biggest question, Mark. Obviously, you try and find a guy like that, but they haven't and, shown yet that they can and would be willing to accept, you know, a, a, a Dudley, a, a UD type yeah. uh, voice. And I think that's part of the Steve Nash hire, yeah? If you look at it, like Steve Nash is a really good relationship and that's why the Brooklyn, sorry, the, um, the Golden State Warriors brought him in for that off-season workout relationship we have with KD and then that stems to one of the greatest point guards working with one of the greatest point guards, like, you know, they get their relationship. And I think, you know, I think that as much as this move is shocking to some people, I think it's a people management move rather than a come coach and give us the, the X and O's. Cause I don't think Steve probably has that mindset. And I think that's where like, did, uh, Vaughn stayed on as assistant coach. Didn't he, Jacques Vaughn? He, yes. he stayed yeah. that assistant coach. Yeah. I think there's your X and O's man, and I think Steve's more your, your relationship management. Because I think that's going to be crucial, especially as as he's pointed out with those two guys. There's going to need something. So you know, instead of yeah, veteran leadership, that's why they might have gone with the coach they did. I don't know, but it wouldn't hurt to bring in a few extra heads. I would have thought just to try and control that uh, control that locker room a bit more. Yeah, good call. Um, and there's a reason guys like Andre Iguodala got picked up. There's a reason Derek Fisher got picked up late in his career. You know, he's, we've spoken about UD at length on this pod, Jared Dudley. There's a reason these guys continue to get picked up on contending teams, and it's for that exact reason. So I think it would be a great thing for both of them, but the question mark is will they accept that? Who, who will they respect um, in that instance? Question for you two guys. Um, so obviously, there's a bit of talk about, you know, where does this championship rank? Is there an asterisk against it for good or for bad? Um, what are your thoughts in that regard? Go ahead, Pat. In, in all time or just in Lakers? Uh, we'll go all time, just uh, across the board. Is it, uh, is it an asterisk for the good or is it an asterisk for the bad or is it just a normal championship? I mean, I don't... You're never going to say one championship means more than another. You're not going to say one's easier than another. Yeah, but like it's, you've got to understand the circumstances of you. You stopped everything. You stopped basketball. You stopped seeing your team. You stopped being around the facility for what two months, a month, and then yeah. you've got to worry about you know getting a two week. 
training camp in and then you're back playing. You know, and you saw those early games in the bubble, those first they were they were they were ranked. They were worse than summer league games, you know, they were <laughs> they were some pretty high intensity, low efficiency games. So I think from the you know, you look at the two teams that made it all the way to the end, I think you look at their culture and you look at their leadership, I think you can probably see why they made it there. There might have been some other people there that were probably, you know, just thought, Oh, we're good at basketball, we can win. But it's you know, it's a bit is it's a different mindset going into, and I spoke about it before, but it's no travel. Everyone's walking to and from games, catching a bus to and from games. You're all staying in the same place. You're, you know, you're not flying across the country. You know, you're not going back and forth. In that sense, you know, you look at it from that sense and you look like, oh, yeah, probably a little bit easier, but then you look at the sense of these guys haven't seen their family for, what, 95 days, some of them? You're not, you're not going home, you know, you're not, you're not being around your people. Uh, yeah, that, that's tough. That's tough. So I reckon it's a pretty extraordinary one to win, but you're always going to get your people, especially your Celtic fans. Shout out all your Celtic fans out there that are going to be like this one back out. Well, um, Bill Russell won ring playing against eight teams, so they don't count either. So there you go. <laughs> Oh, I love it. I love it. I, yeah, but you've made some good points there, Pat. And I think um, for me, uh, and we've spoken about this before, buckets that um, it's it's not just the on-court stuff; it's the off-the-court stuff that's been going on uh, in the states as well. Um, and and certain guys having to shoulder the, the, a load of that, a pretty heavy load of that, um, as well as playing basketball, as well as being away from their families, um, you know, as as well as uh, being in, in an environment where they don't get for your top seeds, they don't get any home court advantage. Um, you know, you don't have the, the fan support behind you when you are at home. I, I understand it's different when you're on the road, but there's some guys um, who, who, again, we've spoken about before, who thrive on playing on the road as well. Um, they, they like signs in the crowd. They like that, that abuse because it gets them going. Um, so to me, there's, there's, there's parts on both sides, but at, at the very um, least, you could say it evens out. And therefore, to, to me, it's, a, it's as, as good a championship as, as anyone else. Um, and to say it was easy... <laughs> Um, is is so, yeah the people so, sorts of people who say that are are you skip balances of the world? I think it's a it's a good shout you make as well about you know you, you, you got to think about these guys on top of you know leaving their family and having to go play basketball. There's this massive movement going on over there at the moment that they are very well and truly in you know they're invested in, which is great to see that they're you know putting their hand up and, and joining that fight as well, but. Also using, you know, they're using their platforms in a way where they're still going to play the game, but they're still promoting that message. And I think you're right. And you look at that Jamal Murray game, I think, where, you know, he breaks down. Yeah, yeah, just something you don't understand, that the, the weight that they're shouldering, I guess, from, you know, yeah, oh, yeah, they're away from their family. But then, you know, there's people that are, you know, really about this cause. And I think that's – and the outside noise is huge. Like when the president's pot, potting the league, you know, you know, all these guys out there talking, all these politicians talking about how bad the finals numbers are and, you know, the ratings are and all that. And, like, you know, you go across all the sports, they're all down. You know, why are they down? You know, it's, 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 a, it's, a, massive, it's a massive year, but I think, like, it's a, it's a kudos to them in a sense of you played through all that shit. Like, you know, you went through everything that it's going on. You can list everything that we've just talked about. Not one COVID test. They got the whole way through to the finals. A champion was crowned. 
that's the end of the day. There's a champion crown, there's a winner. And I think players themselves will respect that. And they'll probably talk about how hard it was and to play in those times. And I think that's what you'll see moving forward. It won't be an asterisk. I think you'll probably hear about a lot of them talk about how much harder it was rather than how easy it was with the, the times that we lived through for it. That, there'll be a documentary one year about this, about this season for sure. Um, yeah. It'll incorporate all of this. And, and let's not forget that they were very close to, to calling it all off. Uh, yeah. when, when Milwaukee decided to boycott that game, and they were very, very yeah. close. So, um, you know, it's you got to you got that that shows that it's an example right there of, of how difficult it was with with the, the pressure from the outside, and it wasn't just about playing basketball as much as, um, as people would say that's all they should focus on. And at that stage, they were still a, a favourite to reach NBA Finals. They weren't. They hadn't crashed and burnt yet, so they were talking about getting up and walking away, and then. I think once they, you know, in those those stalls there in those two days of no games, you know, the Lakers and Clippers both said they don't want to play. They want to go home. Yeah. They would rather be fighting the fight. And that for me to, you know, then everyone else, you know, they come around, they get back out there. I think you just, probably hard for us to really understand about what really went on there. And it'd be, it'd be great to hear from a Chris Paul, a LeBron, a Jalen Brown, like one of these guys that were really front and center in all of those conversations and, and really, you know, fighting that fight to, to hear, you know, just to sit down. It'd be great to see him a word or someone like that and just understand what went on behind the scenes and what they were dealing with because that would have been a pretty crazy 48 hours when that lockdown, little, when that mid-tournament lockdown went on. So it'd be, uh, you know, it'd be pretty crazy. And, and you saw the effects it had, yeah, against the rest of the world, like the soccer stops, the rugby's, the, um, the, NFL, uh, the NFL weren't playing, but the baseball stops. Like, all their major sporting codes stopped except ice hockey. That's a pretty big deal. Yeah, massive, massive. Um, we're just on over an hour, which is our longest pod uh, ever, I believe, or pretty close to. So thanks, Pat. You've been uh, a fantastic, fantastic uh, guest. Uh, Buckets, anything from you before we uh, we wrap this one up just so we do get people to listen all the way through? <laughs> <laughs> I just want to say it's uh, LeBron, four four championships, four MVPs, first player ever to win with three different franchises with three finals MVPs. Again, he's done something that's never been done in the NBA before, but I'm sure the Michael Jordan fans will find another criteria that he has to meet. Uh, he's, Come on, he's, this, has been, this has been nice. Let's not end it on MJ. <laughs> <laughs> We've, we're going to have to do a, a GOAT debate pod because I think it'd have to be its own pod because it will go for so long. Um, that's why I didn't want to touch on it tonight. But, yeah, we're just talking on the bubble about the championship and the asterisks and things. I think certainly from a physical perspective, the no travel and things like that, you could you can make a, a legitimate argument that physically it, it was easier. But certainly no argument can be made that it wasn't by far the most mentally challenging championship you would have ever had to, to win in the NBA. 100%. Awesome. Last, uh, last comments from you, Pat, if any? None from me. Just uh, it's going to be a nice long off-season that we can just bask in and relax now. I haven't had one of these for a long time. Normally it's been watching the, the draft lottery. So uh, I'm pretty happy to sit back and just see how it all pans out. Which is the life I'm living at the moment. It's all about the drafts. <laughs> one little tip: don't, don't, don't have a consistent head coach in front office, and you'll be fine. I like it as long as it's but not car parks. But but, but also, 
not, a, not everyone's lucky enough to land the world's best player. So, you know, that happens. <laughs> does help, doesn't it? It does help. It helps a lot. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks again for your time, Pat. Um, and uh, we'll definitely, definitely get you on again in the future. Uh, it's been fun. Always a pleasure. Thanks, mate. And uh, Bucket, so we'll talk to you soon. Uh, see you, lads.